Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. Fanboys, fangirls, otakus, geeks around the world, welcome to another edition of The Talking Pop with Franchise and Biko. It's basically the podcast on all things pop culture. I am your host, The Franchise, and also my co-host, the one and only Biko. Football! Again with football, it's not, yeah, it's Monday. Football! <laughs> yeah, uh, guys, it's been, uh, I don't know, I had like a busy weekend the last two nights. Um, if you're a big wrestling fan, uh, pretty much... Uh, Last, like, Saturday, like, WD was pretty much here this weekend. Um, they were here since, like, Friday. They had, like, Friday Night Smackdown. So, basically, All-Star Arena pretty much was a home site for all four wrestling shows. So, you had Smack Friday Night Smackdown last Friday, TakeOver Saturday, NXT TakeOver War Games Saturday, Survivor Series last night, and tonight they're going to end the Chicago homestand at, uh, with Monday Night Raw. Um, I had the opportunity, um, my Uncle Sal, if you remember from, like, the previous episodes, um, he actually got me a ticket to go join him, and we took our little cousin, uh, I took my little cousin Susie, she should be, it was thanks to her, she credits me and my Uncle Sal getting her into wrestling, so we took her to her first wrestling experience, and she had a lot of blasts, it was fun too, I ended up taking, I ended up getting myself a NXT championship belt, replica, you know, hey, I'm gonna invest in something, I might as well get, like, a souvenir, Overall, the show was great. You know, if you're ever familiar with the War Games format, um, it was like two cages, two rings connected with the big cage around it. And basically what it is is you got two teams, four on four, two guys start, the rest are like in cages. So pretty much every like five minutes, a member joins in. The match doesn't officially begin until everybody's basically in the double cages. So if you get out or escape, you're basically forfeit for your team. So you're not going to lose. The only way you can win is by pinfall or submission. 
And there was really good high spots. They did one for the women and then for the men. So the women had their war games open up. So they opened up the event, takeover event with the women's war games. To me, it was great. I mean, the spots were good. And, and there were some betrayals, which were shocking enough if you follow NXT, such as myself. Um, it was fun. Like, it was a good experience. You know, you know I, I haven't been to All-State Arena since, like, 2002. What was the last time I went there for a house show? That was, like, a while back. That's when it was like the house show in the summer after Austin, Steve Austin left. So, trying to watch wrestling after Steve Austin left. And that was like the last time I was there. But last time I went to a televised WWE event was like a Monday Night Raw back in 01 during the invasion angle with the Alliance. Was the last time I was there at a televised event. It was cool. So, I got to see War Games. And, you know, the next night, next night was Survivor Series. So, funny thing was, I was at home. I was at home on Sunday. And all of a sudden, I got a phone call. Uh, it was my cousin slash uncle um, Aaron. Um, he works for like he works for radio, so he gives me a call. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing fine. What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, watching TV." And then all of a sudden, he like said, "Hey, guess what? I got tickets to the Survivor Series. My radio station got me tickets." I'm like, "No way!" So he's like, "How fast can you get here?" So I'm like, oh, "I'm tired." No, it took me a while to think about it. And you know what? Two nights back to back at the same arena. And for me, it was like a 40-minute drive. I'm like, you know what? I'll meet you over there. So we ended up going, and I'm seeing Survivor Series. Not only that, we're sitting, we got floor seats. So he actually got floor seats. So we're like nine rows back from the commentary booth. So we got a good view of like the stage and the ring and everything. It was freaking awesome. Um, I took some pictures and all that, and I posted on social media. Um, and I got to take home a chair. Because apparently, um, you know, they still do commemorative chairs for events. And you have to make sure you have your ticket. The way they do it is you got to have your ticket with you the whole time. And they gotta sh- you got to show your ticket. They got to, like, mark it. And you pretty much, like, take your chair home with you. And right now it's currently sitting in my living room <laughs> with the NXT Championship. So it was fun. And my little cousin Susan, she's 11 years old. And, you know, she got so excited for wrestling. And it was a good experience. Um, We got to, like, take pictures with different people. They all had their championship belts. Uh, we ran to a couple of guys. I had the New Japan Tag Team Championships. Uh, last night, we ran to a gentleman that had the the old school uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship and the old National Wrestling Alliance Championship. So it was like taking pictures, and that was a fun experience. So hopefully my uh, my little cousin Susie, she had fun. I had fun myself. It was like back-to-back weekends. It was like, oh, man, I'm like so exhausted from the two weekends, from the two nights. It's like it was crazy. I've never seen like wrestling back-to-back nights. But going there, I would say I would recommend go seeing it live. I mean, it's cool watching it from TV, but nothing feels better than going there live and interacting with people, you know. For me having, Other you know... people are passionate about it. It always makes the experience better. Yeah, and with me having, you know, crazy social anxiety, I was able to <laughs> somewhat compose myself so I can, you know, don't freak out or anything. You know, it's not easy. But I had a lot of fun. I had a fun time like this, week, this past weekend. Um... It was a great experience. Like I said, I do recommend it. Like, the show was great. Like, both shows were phenomenal. And, of course, NXT came out on top. If you watched the Rider Series, they came out on top with all the matches. They had the women close out the, the event. So, it was cool to see Ray Mysterio wrestle live. And, of course, you got, I got to see Daniel Bryan wrestle The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, which was really good. I mean, like I said, it's good to see Pyro again. <laughs> Hearing that Pyro go off, it's kind of cool that WWE brought, brought back the Pyro. So, Kind of miss it, and it's good seeing it live because yeah, it does get pretty warm in the building and stuff, and it was a fun experience. So I got to say, um, pretty much, uh, Biko, what you do? What you do last weekend? Oh God, um, 
Any anything interesting like shows wise or? I do. Um, I watched. I literally the these past two weekends, honestly, or these past two days, I I've been on a YouTube rabbit hole watching different. Uh, honestly, it's like it's, it's uh, if if you guys are fans of Reddit or go on Reddit, I hope you are. Reddit's a humongous community forum thread website that updates you on everything news, well, everything in the world you can find a community for in that in Reddit, on Reddit. And on YouTube, I stumbled across a channel that really just aggregates the best or different um, Ask Reddit subject subjects that are submitted from the community and then the people giving you answers and it's like this robo voice just reading it off and I've just been bouncing around different um, different ask reddit um, threads and I've stumbled across some really crazy ones like different different people who uh, there was like ones about um, rich people what misconceptions do people have who aren't rich what's like what's the downside to being rich and like and there's like some typical general answers that are kind of common sense when it comes to people when it comes to like the divide of classes um, and there's a one that like you get your answers like um, that that uh, money doesn't make you happy but the way this person put it money just but having a lot of money is you is give, gives you a lot of choices um, there's one that says that you don't really know who your real friends are because you don't know if they're after you for your money yada yada um, and then there was a specific one that I saw that a lot of which a common thread that was a, a common answer that was given around, which I, I never like I I'm, I'm kind of aware of it, but it says like having to deal with or make like having the th- uh, the existential crisis of hoping that you don't get your kids or act like spoiled brats mm-hmm. or they become too spoiled. Um, and there's one that's like there was a guy that's uh, that said that he's not crazy rich, but within his family there was siblings there's three of them and then he makes the most out of all of them and it makes like and it's always like, the subject that gets brought up like they, he always gets resentment from his siblings because he makes so much like they can't plan holiday trips and stuff because he wants to go and plan these trips that he can and he'll offer to buy for for the family to come and like like holidays like spending holidays going on trips or going abroad and, he, okay. and they go off like uh and it's kind of like, like his, his siblings resent him, and he can't, and and because he offers to pay for him, and they just don't because of the they feel like they feel inferior to him, like they yeah. feel embarrassed that he's doing everything for them, and they kind of probably feel like you know, like you said, they, I think they feel inferior that all we can't provide, mm-hmm. you know, ought to take our own families, our respective families on a trip, all we have to rely on our big brother. I yeah, mean, it's like, but who? And then he they stay like who's. But then when something happens, like an emergency, who's mm-hmm. who gets stuck of um, fitting the bill, and it's him. So he's like this resentment, and he's like, and I'm only coming from a place where I just want to have experience and memories. And there's one that's like uh, being born with and being born with money. He, he there's some people who find it hard, like to find motivation where to work. Um, but there's one there's like. Uh, uh, there was like a, I think it was a woman who she was born into wealth but she still works like she wants to work because she wants to be independent and not just rely that and she uses her she uses her uh, her mutual funds trust to actually um, work with nonprofits and oh, do that nice. but she works as a, a office manager that's her hmm. like regular nine to five yeah and so she's like I, I I'm working because I want to find fulfillment 
and being challenged and not because of what my wealth um, brings me, which she says it, it, it gave her an, on, it gave her an, uh, a reputation that she never asked for. Uh, just, it was interesting because to see that different aspect, but like it went from that subject to uh, like psycho psychological, um, like therapists reading off crazy psychological conditions. And I was reading a lot about schizophrenia and there's, there's a version of schizophrenia called catatonic, which your body, like your mind and body instantly freezes. Like you can't, and like you can't move. The and then there's another one that's like the opposite of phantom limb syndrome. And mm -hmm. if you don't know what that is, it's when people lose a limb and they, they get, um, they get, they, they can still feel pain for some reason in their head. Like their mental thinks like they think like their arms messed up, but it's really not like they can feel their arms, but like they feel like they're getting pain, but they're mm -hmm. not. Um, it's like if you're getting tattoos, like if people who don't get tattoos, it's it's a significant pain. Okay. Like it's pretty remembrance, but like people who who've lost limbs, they still feel it. Not that the, it, but it's the opposite feeling. It's when they feel like their functional limbs need to be taken out. Like it has to be cut off because they they get like this overwhelming anxious like thing that they don't need. They they, they don't need their hand or something like that. Or they feel like their right hand is. It's like that overwhelming, and then they, and they they find themselves going to doctors and asking them to amputate a function, a healthy a function in limb, because they can't stand. It's like the pain of it, mm. and it's in the mind. And like doctors refuse, obviously they refuse treatment to do, mm. or they refuse to do perform any sort of treatment for those kind of things. But it it, it was interesting and like some scary fucking answers, dude. It's like. Um, there was one that's like a sociopath or whatever. How do you feel about doing this? Like diagnosed or what's something about like autism or what, uh, people with autism, what's something that you want others to, to understand? And, and it was great. Like I was, it was very it like, in, like I told you earlier, like uh, offline, um, I haven't been sleeping in the past three days. And so it was just like, I got lost in these rabbit holes when I was up. So like, I would constantly just switch and switch and switch to see if I can dove this off and fall asleep, but I can't. But anywho, I've been watching that. I, um, I got to catch up on Mandalorian, which I think oh, we might yeah, actually go do like a review on. Um, I mean, it's barely, I don't know how many episodes that show said, but I mean, it's been like three, three weeks. Three, three episodes so far. Three episodes, but honestly guys, it's, it's freaking amazing. I like the writing and direction. And you were saying like Biko, you were saying it was more like to use like a almost like a Western, but it's like in space. It's oh no, yeah, like, the, it kind uh, of reminds too. Kind of reminds like samurai Western, like type. samurai Western. With Star Wars. If you Star think about it, yeah, George so Lucas was inspired by by so many different themes. He, yeah, like George Lucas was inspired by. I heard that he credits like um, the old Japanese samurai films back That's in the so day, weird. and like that was one of his inspirations for Star Wars. Was that like the whole warring factions and stuff? And like samurais, I mean. Sometimes samurais, you know, they, like back in the day, they were warriors. I mean, there was Ronin who had no leader, who had no warlord. And sometimes they would get paid for bounties and stuff. And I mean, the whole tribe of the Mandalores, it's like, they're not, they're a type of people, but they're more like a tribe. And I guess um, they can, they take anyone, but they, they have to do like a trial and stuff. Because if you notice at the beginning of the show, the only thing, I guess they earned their armor. They build the yeah. armor, but you saw the only thing shiny was his helmet. But by like by the whole development is every job that he does, 
And he's nicknamed Mando, so no one knows what his name no, is. No, well, that's that's the whole group, the whole body. And they were called Mandalorians, but yeah, it's like they're but they're cold. but the dude that's like played by Carl Weathers, the guild leader, he calls him Mando. Yeah, he, he just calls him Mando. And, well, because they're known as that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I noticed too, like it's funny because, like I said, this show takes place. You know, if you were reading like the previews and stuff online, it was pretty much takes place around the period after the fall of the Empire and before the beginnings of the First Order. So, yeah, it's like a, he, they do jobs like because the Mandalorians are always in hiding because they had that affiliation with, uh, with the Empire. So they were looked down upon because a lot of stuff they did because were for the Empire. Um, case in point, like Boba Fett, you know, he was a Mandalorian. Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. But, of course, Jango Fett decided to donate his blood so they could make clones of him. Case in point, the Clone Wars. Yeah. And then uh, Boba Fett, you know, he did a job for, you know... Empire. They kidnapped Han Solo, but of course he was doing a job for Java because Han Solo owned uh, Java the Hut money. So, but that was a Mandalorian. They all, and my life was that that's what the helmet design is. And people don't realize they keep the same helmet design because that's a symbol of the Mandalorian, the Mandos. Um, what it is it's a tribe? So each tribe each tribe has it, and they do missions. They do buy hunt missions for the hunt. They always say for the hunt. So that's quite kind of like for a fact. And plus, like. Yeah. The this jobs he's getting paid. Like this is the way. Yeah, that's another cool saying. And then that's kind of cool. Like Bill's armor, they take all the old like Empire credits and they take that money to steal, and then he just makes it into armor pieces. It's really cool, and he gets all the armor. Um, I kind of like the, the the episodes were kind of cool. You had like Nick Nolte playing that one alien, which I didn't know it was him, but yeah, holy shit! I I, just, as soon as I saw the credits, yeah. like the credits of Nick Nolte, I'm like, holy god! I'm hearing the voice. It was like Nick he Nolte. was a. And that's he was the alien, and he just ends up helping him. He's like, "You he brought peace to my land." Like this, you know. That's a, that's all I say. <laughs> and then they got they see the Jawas for a little bit too, like the interaction between the Jawas, how they're just collectors, and so they they're scrap collectors because they figure ship the ship in that episode too. <laughs> and then, um, of course, the for the job he gets like you know Mando, he gets like um, contracted to spoilers, guys. If you haven't seen the first three episodes, like this show releases every Friday, um, he gets tried to get the target. You got Werner Herzog playing this, playing the customer, like the client. Um, Carl Weathers plays like the guild master who gives the jobs to, to bounty hunters. The bounties. Bounties, yeah. yeah. So, he get Mando gets um, contracted to do this job where uh, he has to go get this uh, this, this asset. He doesn't know what it is. Um, and he goes, that's where he runs into the alien played by Nick Nolte. He has to ride that, I don't know what he called that thing was. What? It was... Um, it's like a, like a, almost like a horse, but it's like an alien type thing. Oh, creature! I, I forgot the name. Of it. He rides. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot I the name was, but he, it was funny. Him trying to tame it. He had to tame it first to so go to ride, mm-hmm. and then he got falling off so many times. And then, um, and he does that, and he goes and he runs into another bounty hunter droid, and you can tell he's not a big fan. Mendel's not a big fan of droids. Like he doesn't he doesn't trust droids. Because it goes like the flashbacks why he hates the droids because it goes back to when he's a kid. You see the droid troops shooting. Yeah, yeah. Those are the droids from like I would say it was from the prequels or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so doing that and then you see the battle dro- like the bounty droids. So he ends up there working together. I think I recognize that bounty droid. And he made appearances in the past, like in the background. So they have working together. And then all of a sudden, um, okay, there's a shootout. He finds the asset. This asset's a baby Yoda. Right now, they're coining it as baby Yoda for right now until they give it a name. Because um, it looks like Yoda. But to her. Because it wasn't, I remember, because in the third episode, he's like, don't hurt her. He says, don't hurt her. So no one knew what the gender was until the third episode. But it was baby Yoda. And um, 
So cute, by the way. I don't know if it's CG or puppetry. It looks Take really it good. Over the damn internet. It looks so real. That's why it was so cute with the big black it's eyes. Really and then all of a sudden, in episode two, finds out it's freaking got the force. <laughs> got force powers. So that was kind of cool. And eventually, you know, he had he has had he has to turn it in because it's a job, you know. I think over time he started developing this, so he started caring for it. But kind of cool how he go to flashback while when he was a kid, his parents. His town, his town was attacked by droids during the during the wars, and um, pretty much his parents put him in hiding. And of course, his parents got killed. But it probably is going to show. Hopefully, in the later episodes, shows how he gets recruited by the Mandalores. Well, I mean, since it's getting released every week, I think it's just a, it's one of those. I think it's. I kind of like for the fact that they're doing. So I kind of like for the fact that this show's getting released weekly, as opposed to like binging and all, because it gives you more time to talk about it. Because then it gives you time to develop theories than trying to binge it all in one go. Because then you binge, you binge a show all in one go, it's like, that's it, you know? So I kind of like for a fact the way that Disney decided to do it, just release the show like weekly, it gives people more time to develop theories and discuss it more. Like almost like traditional television as opposed to like, you know. It changes our habits, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it changes your habits to how we consume entertainment now is completely different than what it was even 10 years ago let alone 20 and so this format which is okay I mean other shows do it like who no, does yeah, it but that's yeah. the thing like it works on streaming but not every property because then if they do that it's like going back to TV to where you have to wait fucking every week until a new thing happens and it's fine when it comes to stuff like this because you're still able to binge other properties and I think if they continue to do that with just certain I think they know fan, like heavy fan-based um, intellectual properties. That works for that. Like, if, I'm sure they're going to probably do the same with the Marvel shows. I'm sure they'll, if this does good, they'll keep it going. Or maybe they'll bring in more Star Wars properties. But, like, shows were as far as, like, you know, they had the Jeff Goldblum one on there. I don't think, like, those type of shows would work or different car- – maybe cartoons when they start – if they start introducing stuff like that, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll keep that as a format um, because it does help. I mean, uh, what's another property that does that? Like, Netflix does that with a couple of the originals, like uh, um, Hasan Minaj's show, uh, Patriot Act or whatever. That's yeah, a really good show. Yeah, it shows weekly. Chelsea Handler, when she had her show on there, was weekly. Um, the Queer Eye guys, I think one of them, their newest thing is, is I think, weekly. I might be wrong on that. But mm. for the most part, a lot of a couple of properties are there to where they're doing a weekly, new episode weekly. Hulu's been on that for quite a while now as far as um, shows that are still um, recurring um new seasons on on regular broadcast tv through cable or, or satellite whatever you take it in through um but as far as the Mandalorian goes i think that like we like you said it, it helps people conceptualize different things and and i think uh right off the bat it also is that the way john Favreau has written and created this along with this humongous team because he can't do it alone um I think it helps tell the story like this because it's 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 what Star Wars is known for, and we got we start with Episode Four, and as we go, we're getting the story unravels as we go. Yeah. So it definitely follows in that tradition, or is like it, or the same thing that Tarantino does. The pacing of of a show, show is different, and which also I really like too is that 
the first episode is long, but the next ones are like 30-ish minutes. Nice 30 minutes, yeah. Like a little, like 35, 36 minutes, which is nice too because a pro that I see is that he's able to still provide good, like, good material to provide the story arcs between the Mandalorian and um, the different characters he's coming across. And we're seeing, like, the, the landscape still being there, but then we're also getting that Star Wars feels, and he's capturing a lot of different themes like yeah the samurai western of the the bounty hunter and the and the empire being no more so it's just like everything's trying to get back together so it's like a western of environment where it's no man's land like it's there's no it's lawlessness like everyone's going on different sort of codes so we're seeing that and like you mentioned earlier today uh we were talking about it the which you could talk about it if you want the john wick Oh yeah, that one scene. If you guys didn't see the end of the third episode, um, so what happens is okay, he does his job, you know, he then he gets the the money, which is a lot of like credit or empire credits, but of course, like I said, they're using it to melt and turn into armor pieces. So um, pretty much what he does, he he took some of him for his own armor, and the rest he shared with the rest of the the clan, basically. So because the for the foundlings, basically the clan, um, so I use the rest of the armor, the rest of the old Repub- um, empire credits. So he makes the armor which is badass. I like the color and the sheen of it. And the whirly birds, which is kind of cool, the little missile things. Yeah. So, and all of a sudden, he starts regretting the job he just did. And it's fine because first he goes back to the bar and he talks to Carl Weathers, the character, um, Gil Leader, and Tasco Bond, and the other jobs. And then he asks about pretty much, you know. Then, uh, okay, he takes one of the jobs, and then all of a sudden, you know. He ends up asking him, hey, well, you know what they're going to do with the little, you know, little, you know, little baby Yoda. So he, he's like, doesn't matter now, you know, the job's been done and stuff. And he starts, you know, of course, the flashbacks are hitting him all of a sudden because it's, it's a kid, you know. And then um, also he, he regrets it. So he decides to take it by himself to go back and pretty much do something that, you know, was not required. So I guess it's against, like, the guild leader the guild's ways and then pretty much um pretty much uh he goes back to where he met the client bombarding the place killing the old stormtroopers which the whirling birds was freaking awesome yeah uh, he finds the baby uh, the baby and you could tell that he did experiments on it which i don't know what they were using for i don't know they drained its blood or something or use because they the, the guy who was one of the the guys working under warner herzog character the warner herzog character yeah the yeah now the dude was there and he tells him like hey he's all fine don't worry he's still breathing and stuff and we're, he already he fulfilled his use already so I don't know they drained the blood or yeah midichlorians midichlorians I'm guessing either drained the blood to use it for something else and so he ends up because he cared for the baby and then I guess he went against uh, the client so I guess it's like a big no no for bounty hunters like you never go back on a job basically yeah, so, like once it's done, it's it's over. Like it's a it's a it's like any contract job or any temp job. You can't only go back. You yeah. can't go back. Like it's it's it, all it's so, all the tracking mods, all the tracking fobs lit up, so they're all going. So it's kind of like John Wick, you know, in a sense, in John Wick Part Two, where you can't conduct business, you can't conduct business in the Continental. But don't you you do you and think you that, see, that and guy then all sudden, it? Did you think that guy, like the Warner Herzog's character, was the well? One we didn't that, see him because he he was gone after that. Right, but he was the one who he broke into the facility and he wasn't there anymore. He must have flew away. And that doctor guy was the one who was watching um, Baby Yoda, even though it's not Yoda, but we'll just call him that. And uh, 
I, I, like, obviously he gets word of it from wherever his base camp is, and I'm sure that's what lit up. Because, I mean, most of the jobs that they've been getting are those, at least... Are like people bail Empire, jumping, jumping on bail. Empire warlords. Not Empire, so. but... No, I know, but those warlords that served the Empire, that's what's left them. That's what I'm saying. Like, these are just, like, different like factions. factions. Okay. Yeah. So, but, continue. Yeah, so, like I said, that's what you're saying. They might cause a chain reaction, and all of a sudden the tracking fobs all lit up. You know, find out that they're going after him. So, it kind of sense the whole... John Wick part chapter two, so he does the business in the continent. So all of a sudden, every single body hunter's after him. Like suppose I haven't seen John Wick chapter three. You know I have it on Blu-ray, which I'm thinking I want to watch it tonight. But oh, basically, yeah. we, we gotta watch that, dude. We gotta watch. Yeah, but it's like it has that whole John Wick guy's experience. Like now, all the other body hunters are going after him. So it's, it's basically an old western style shootout, you know, with lasers and stuff and. You know, he's using his flamethrower and stuff. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the Mandalorians come out, which is freaking awesome. You get to see the different armor toys. And then he says, like, the jetpack. He's like, I got to get me one of those. So, like I said, I guess they have to earn, like, the jetpack. Yeah, I like when he says that. I got to get one of those. And then they all help him out. It's like a cow. This is the way. And then their way. This is the way. And It was cool. Like I said, we can't wait to see how the direction is going to head. Hopefully, this lasts, like, 12 episodes. Hopefully, like I said, I don't think I read what the episode order is, but um, it's looking very promising because number one, we'll get, we're gonna have the show with um Diego Luna's character from Rogue One. They're gonna do a show based on him, and of course, we got the Obi Wan series starring Ewan McGregor that's gonna be coming out. It's gonna be in production as well. This will tell a story of how Obi Wan Kenobi became Ben Kenobi, like pretty much between episode three and four. Yeah, like his time, you know, away. Into hiding your own seclusion because my movie remember episode three, after he dropped off baby Luke uh, with his aunt and uncle, he went into hiding, but he stayed on Tatooine just to oversee and make sure you know the family's protected. But over time, being you know, like a hermit, he eventually you know starts to you know, lose his mind. But I heard with Conan McGregor, he said he's like he was studying a lot of um, Alec Guinness's um, acting methods, like his pers- like his um, views, like the way how. Alec Guinness portrayed Obi-Wan in the original trilogy, so he tries to take like some inspiration from that. But it's cool seeing Ian McGregor, because I know he expressed that he likes to work in that universe, he enjoyed working on the prequels. So that's cool, him having him coming back to portray that character is going to be great. Let's see it. We'll see how they write it. And, um, like I said, I'm looking forward Isn't to that. Is he back as Obi-Wan? Yeah, he's going to be back as Obi-Wan. Like I said, it's, it's going to be called Obi-Wan, but... I don't know, that's oh the yeah, work, that's right. I forgot about that. It's, that's the working time right now, so I don't know what the, the regular title is going to be called, but that's the working time for now. Like, like I said, it's going to tell a story between three and four. Like his time, you know, into hiding. Because remember, the Jedi were killed. Yeah. And some Jedi went into hiding. It was of Order 66. So it's like... Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, like I said, I know there were talks about doing another season of Clone Wars, the cartoon, but I don't know, I don't know that's set in stone yet. But possibly for Disney Plus, that's what it is. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things. Like I said, the Marvel shows. I think Marvel, um, Winter Soldier, and the Falcon are in production right yeah, now. They're gonna get theirs too. They just start production right now, so that's slated for next year. Um, the animated What If show, Marvel What If, they, it's gonna be animated, but they're gonna get a lot of the actors who portray their characters in the MCU to reprise their roles, voice and roles in voiceover. It was Robert Dodger that signed on to voice Tony Stark. So we'll see what the what if is for Tony Stark. So Robert Dodger Jr. is going to be back in the MCU, but as voiceover. Which to me, hopefully it'll be like a test to see what happens in the future films. That'd be cool to see Tony Stark being as an AI. 
Almost like, you know... Oh, yeah, he's going to turn into, like, a Jarvis type. Like, almost like a Jarvis, I would say. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. And he go that route. Um, like I said, I'm in Arena 2. Like, I just went it right now on comicbook.com that um, Nintendo officially launched a merch store on Amazon. So they opened up a storefront. Because, honestly, to get, like, Nintendo merch, it's like, you got to go to certain stores, certain retailers to get, like, Nintendo merch. Um, or if you go to, like, we went to, what, a couple of years ago, we went to New York City, we went to the Nintendo store. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The only Nintendo store in the U.S., it's in New York. We by recommend it. Plaza. It's a pretty cool spot. They got so much shit. Um, they, they have all the different memorabilia displayed very nicely, and it's really cool. Like, the store, and we, we went to New York during fucking holiday peak. It was before New Year's, right? So no, before like, Christmas, I think Or before Christmas, yeah. So we went Christmas, we got there Christmas Eve, um, and a lot of stuff isn't open, but that, that was open still, and the place was packed. It was very hard to walk around and really get, because, like, it's two levels, so the, the first level is, like, the gift shop. The store itself. Like the, and upstairs, oh, man, I think it was stores upstairs. There's both, yeah. And the it was a store, but they had, like you said, they had, like, uh, display cases with, like, the old stuff. They even had, like, the, the Game Boy that survived during the Gulf War. It still worked. Yeah, it was so cool. Like the prototype schematics so cool. were the super super Famicom. It was quite cool. And like I said, then right now officially they announced their official storefront is on Amazon, so you can get like. So far, it's just a merch store, so you can get like you know clothing and stuff, and like you know toys. It's basically like they're a lot store. of exclusive things, and like what what I like too, but like if, the downside is that we weren't being we weren't able to really like get a good chance to really see the stuff upstairs um because there's just so many people as far and i'm referencing like the display stuff like the mm-hmm. the memorabilia mainly um because there's just so many people it's very difficult to walk and and we're pretty considerate by nature so like we don't want to we didn't want to it was just very difficult but the store was super cool um honestly one of my favorite parts of new york uh and i re- highly recommend checking that place out especially if you're a big nintendo fan um, they had a bunch of Pokemon stuff too, right? I'm pretty sure they did. So, oh like, yeah, like I said, they had a bunch of so like, much cool merchandise, shit. and that's kind of cool that they decided to open like a merch shop on Amazon, so like they could get a bigger audience, a bigger like shopping consumer market. And it's kind of cool because then you get like certain things that you couldn't get anywhere because it's official Nintendo merchandise, which to me is kind of cool. I mean, it's like things like that with me. Like I'm a big anime guy, so it's like. I'm looking, I want to invest and get, like, these um, anime statues, but they keep, like, there's a lot of websites that tell you, hey, make sure it's, like, official merchandise, because you better buy it from the actual seller, like, the actual retail seller, versus, like, a black market item, because sometimes it could be fake, you know? Um, But seeing that Nintendo's doing that, and, you know, launching, like, a storefront, it's kind of cool, because then they get a more bigger consumership, like, here in the U.S., and, of course, in Europe as well, because Amazon's very much international, so... That people can get access to a lot of like exclusive merchandise that so you can get in a hot topic or you know or FI or any other like retailer. So I can't wait to I can't wait to check it out. I haven't even checked it out yet, but it looks promising. Um I said it looks really cool. Uh, and then of course um they just like I guess they announced the uh, running time for Rise of the Skywalker, the last Star Wars film for the time being. Um looks like they're saying it's gonna clock like at two hours and twenty one minutes. Oh, so shit. that's gonna be kinda like it's gonna be a good long movie, so um, I can't wait to see that movie comes out on December twentieth. You said right? That was coming out December twentieth. Yeah, I asked Armando. And, uh, pretty sure he mentioned he said December twentieth because usually uh, for the past couple of years since the last two Star Wars come out, they ended up uh, our friend Armando. He 
he, his birthday always seems to land on Star Wars, the new stars and come out, which is awesome. But uh, this year, it, it, it's on the 20th, which I think is a sad, if Thursday, it's be a Friday, Friday or something, yeah. right? Because movies, nowadays movies just come out anytime they want at this point, right? They always have, like, they don't even do midnight showings anymore. They just start at, like, 6 or 7. So or if you have on Thursday, the like, the, the day before, yeah. And I'm sure Star Wars is going to have, like, 9, p. 9 a.m. showings and shit, which I feel bad. Like, shout out to the theater workers, man, who have to be there really, and late as hell. Um, please be considerate while you're there, guys, and not be a mess. It's just, those, those people work really hard to... Make sure the experience. They think like that, like you know, right now the workers at the all stadium are doing four straight nights of you know shit of wrestling. And right now, when I left last night, I mean, people, come on, were you raising the zoo? Pick up after yourselves. It's like as soon as we take all those commemorative chairs, like you see all like the drinks spill on the floors. I'm like, I understand. This is like I understand. It's nice to sell beer at these events, but to me, it's getting to the point. It's like, um, it's like honestly, why sell beer? To a sports entertainment event, it's like I understand you get more adults if they drink beer, y'all get need beer, but it's like you gotta set like a limit, you know. But at the same time, it's like you see stuff on the floor. It's like same thing going to a movie theater. You see people spill their drinks or just throw popcorn around. It's like they can't, even, you know, compose themselves and everything. And like I said, I can't wait for that movie. So Rise of Skywalker, um, hate for that. And right now, it's like pretty much like I'm trying to. See, and then of course, um. Try to catch up on Rick and Morty right now. Lucky I got uh, a DVIR, DVR um, on there. So I saw like so far. I've watched the first two episodes of the new season so far. Rick and Morty because I know they plan. They're just planning to do like the first part like this year and then the second part next year. It's, it's funny to the T right now. Um, in the last episode I saw Rick and Morty. Um, they like an alien intern. I didn't realize it was um Taiko Wahiti. Doing the voice, like, you want to help develop my app? <laughs> like, no, no, Morty, do not, no, Jerry, do not ask him. <laughs> they develop his app, and it's like these aliens, it's him. I forgot who else makes a uh, cameo voiceover cameo, but it was, yeah, I was talking about you. I'm like, oh my god, director Thor Ragnar doing the voiceover, that was kind of cool, unexpected. So, um, I mean, so far, it looks promising for this animated season, it's kind of cool, like Rick and Morty, you know, it's one of those popular things for like Adult Swim and. Definitely, like, something you guys need to definitely check out. You can catch up on Hulu. So, guys, because I know there's been, like, all these talks with, you know, HBO Max and getting certain exclusive streaming rights. Like, right now, um, looks like CBS All Access. If you guys have that, just got, a uh, looks like they're getting Nickelodeon shows and a new deal. But, of course, it's pretty obvious because Nickelodeon's owned by Viacom, who, in point, pretty much, you know, they're merging with CBS. So, it's, like... They apparently announced this here by IGN. It's currently unclear which Nickelodeon shows and movies will be coming to CBS All Access. This is the Hollywood Pro reports that it looks like we'll see like SpongeBob, Dory Explorer, and many others to be included. So right now you can get the old Nicktoon stuff. Right now some of it is on, you know, on Hulu. Um, I think doesn't Netflix have a couple of things? Well, Netflix just signed a, a deal with Viacom, which I'm assuming includes, you know, Nickelodeon content, because apparently Netflix, right now, according to this, Netflix um, possesses a new made-for-TV movies like Invader Zim, Rocko's Mind Live. I think they added the Hey Arnold Jungle movie now on there. Um, some Nickelodeon movies are on there as well. And and promise they got their properties spread out everywhere, so... Um, not only just on Netflix, they also have Verve. Hulu has some Nickelodeon content as well. 
Um, but right now we don't know what what shows are going over to uh, to CBS All Access right now. But that's what they're doing it right now. But like I said, it's one of those now. It's like all like a battle for streaming rights. Like HBO Max got the streaming rights to South Park. So once South Park's deal ends next year with Hulu, all new stuff, new episodes are going to be going. Like all old content and is going to be going to HBO Max. But Rick and Morty, even though Rick and Morty is going to be going to HBO Max, like when it comes to backlog season, they're still going to have a deal with, the Ultimate has that deal with um, Hulu, so a lot of their stuff is going to remain on Hulu as well. So people will be able to access Rick and Morty, like the back episodes and stuff, and once the new seasons are completed, they'll be able to access that too as well. Um, like I said, a lot of stuff like, is changing, like a, a lot of things are changing right now. Um, pretty much, like, like I said, um, um, let me see what else. Have you seen? And like, going back to like you said about the, the rich, it kind of reminds me of like the Home Alone kind of. You know how, when the Home Alone movie, you know when Kevin Costner's their parents, you know they go on these trips and invite, you know, invite, uh, you know Peter Father invites his um, brother Frank, to these trips as well. And he, it's just funny how Frank takes advantage of his brother because we don't know what his, what Kevin's dad does. We oh know, yeah, that's right. We, we well, never knew always, it was that. Like, how can he afford these trips and stuff? It's like anything about it. it's like you think he's a mob. Uh, he thinks they think he's an accountant for the mob, or he's like a lawyer for the mob. Because like yeah, they take his whole fucking family to France. That's expensive. Takes his family, shit. knowing his family, but his brother's family yeah. as well. And his uncle, his as his, his asshole uncle, and like Uncle Frank, right? Isn't he? Yeah. And then like they go. And they, and mind you, they live. Uh, they shot the film here in Illinois. And, and Winnetka, John Illinois, is, yeah. And and Winnetka is a very very affluent area, so it's amazing that man John Hughes. Winnetka, yeah, Winnetka, just Illinois. he was awesome. Um, just using Illinois spots and really. Because he's from that. Illinois, yeah. yeah he's from. Losing that from his movie for his films, like I like him, yeah, because he used a lot of it for his films. He used to like to shoot in Illinois, so it's like he got to shoot pretty much on location in Illinois. But I think some of the interior shots for like Home Alone were shot in the soundstage, but a lot of the exterior shots were shot out of that home. So I think, and I think most recently that house was on sale like a few years back. The Home Alone house? Yeah, the Home Alone house. The house that was used for the exteriors for Home Alone. And that's cool because then, you know, um, what's we call it? I think it was a, listening to Mac, one of the episodes of the Bunyers podcast, and Mac talking to Tony Hawk how. You know, he was talking to Tony about how he got his injury, like how Tony Hawk with his injuries and oh, yeah. his scars. And then, of course, uh, Mac has a scar on his finger from when they had, if you remember watching Home Alone, um, Joe Pesci accidentally bit, you know. He didn't accidentally, he, he just bit a little too hard. He, he accidentally, no, he says, Joe Pesci's like, he accidentally bit a little too hard, kind of left a little scar on his finger, which he still has. But I think um, he wasn't, like, he's not mad Joe Pesci for doing that, but because of the commitment they had, he said that was like the one of the first scenes they shot together, like one of the, the scenes that they were all together at the same time, you know. Because it was all most of the time it was just him alone, him and the film crew alone. Oh yeah, he didn't really sp- he didn't really shoot a lot with them. Yeah, because yeah. it was like most of the time. Because what did he say? They only have like two or three scenes together. Yeah, and there's, most of the time, you know, it was just him and the film crew alone. Which is crazy to be a kid, and that's like, especially as smart as him at his age, he was so insightful, and for him to like, like that has to be hard. Like, cause like he's surrounded by adults, and so and I think he mentions that like, it was it made him not only was he already insightful and kind of clever like 
I felt like maybe that also contributed, helped his acting too, because as he was growing and developing and only being around adults, I think that's why he was able to, because um, his character in Home Alone is kind of similar to The Good Son. Very, you know, very sarcastic, but then he's super smart and he terrorizes Elijah Wood's life. Which is, if you haven't seen The Good Son, it's oh, fucking. Well, it's like one of your fucking films. It's one of my yeah because it's creepy as shit. Um, I remember because I saw it. What did I, I saw it in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you know, mom watched the fucking Lifetime channel all the time. They showed that movie, The Good Son, all the time on that channel. Um, but I liked them showing it on Lifetime because they hardly showed any fucking commercials. And so like, you catch it. It's a little edited, though, on the TV because he does swear. He swears in that movie. It's Because he's a little older. Because um, he says in one of his episodes. Uh, but I think he did The Good Son after, like, a little bit after Home Alone. So he was already, like, 12. And then, so I'd be, like, around part two. So, like, it was... Or, or he... It's either after Home Alone 2 or after Rich, uh, Richie Rich. Let me see. Let me look at that. Oh, the chronic. Yeah, because, yeah. Let me look at his IMDb. Um, you said it's like. Like, honestly, that was one of those films that I never like, got past me. It's pretty good. It's For the time and having such prominent actors on in there, it's, especially as children like Elijah Wood. I wonder if they still talk. But, uh. <laughs> I. If you guys don't listen to Bunny Ears, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. And Macaulay Culkin's awesome. I, I, if we ever get to the point that we're able to get him here, which would be awesome, I would love to sit down and have... Because he's, he's just like us. He's kind of a nerd, too. So, like, it's really fun to listen to him. Um, I, I love what he's doing. Um, but so far, like, throughout, I, I think, for the most part, uh, kind of sidetracking here, but I think... It looks like the good son. It looks like it was released in '93, so it had to be like a year after Home Alone Two. So before Richie Rich. Yeah, it was before Richie Rich. Yeah, okay, cool. Because Richie Rich, I think, is already in high school, and that's when he stopped acting for a bit. But it looks play. like he makes an appearance in Dollface. Looks like. Oh yeah, yeah. Because his yeah. girlfriend's like. His friend in, of songs in it. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like yeah, it looks like um, yeah, that movie, The Good Son. See, it's one of those films that that got passed. I enjoy McCulloch. Like he's a great actor. That'd be like that'd be great to have him on the show. You know, find time to maybe I should try tweak him and maybe reach out Fuck to him. Fuck yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, it's like I never seen that film, I and mean, you talk about it a lot. Like you talk about that film, The Good Son, which I never seen. Oh, like, you gotta see it. it. It's like it's about like um, this because Elijah Woods stepmom or his mom marries and marries. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's dad or I can't like I'm a little fuzzy on the details but because uh, I haven't seen it in a while and uh, it's like one of those they try to mix, mesh the family but like Macaulay Culkin doesn't want oh, him here we go. to it says uh, here young boy okay here's what the summary says this is IMDB says it says this young boy stays with his aunt and uncle and befriends his cousin a boy the same age he begins showing increasing signs of violent psychopathic behavior yeah so, he's nuts man he puts him through the ringer He's saying all these crazy things to him and like psychological. Not only is he like putting through, through like shit, he's like psychologically fucking with him. So it's like Macaulay Culkin at his like most cleverest type of like, sh- like his. He's he's like Kevin McAllister turned evil, dude. Okay. Yeah, it's so crazy, but it's it's good and it goes by fast. They're like living in this huge house off like off the coast of like this thing and there's like a big ridge it definitely looks like it's, it was shot like in the pacific northwest i could be wrong but it's a it's a it's a pretty good movie it's kind of dated i think it's like 1990 something when, when did it come out mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, it's a good movie. It's random, but I haven't seen. I wish they would. Uh, I don't. I wonder. I think they used to be on Netflix. I want to check it out. But um, sidetracking. I've just. I'm trying my best to to bounce back and forth between Disney Plus and Netflix, and still trying to check the other stuff out. But there's just so much shit now. <laughs> like even with Disney Plus, I'm trying to try to see some stuff that that catch up on old movies, but then. There's things that are like, do I really want to go back and revisit this with an adult mind? Maybe. There's some things I want to, and there's some things I don't. I know that, like, well, it's still like, early. I think but... one film, one of the Disney films I saw was Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. The animated version yeah. of Robin Hood. Because I don't uh, think we owned that one. I don't think we never owned that yeah. one. And and I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me. Um, and I've read, like, I did research, and, like, I seen, like, commentaries on YouTube and stuff about Disney animation back in the day. Um, what they did was like the cut costs and stuff. They will actually take um, pre-made animations, like for certain sequences. They'll take old animation and reuse it for their films. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when I was watching this one scene, Robin Hood, and it shows like the characters dancing around playing music. It was basically if you watch Aristocats, the Aristocats and Robin Hood. And I don't know if you remember this one scene and Aristocats, you know, they're dancing the sequence stuff. Basically, um... It's the same thing, isn't it? They just kind of... They just repaint... It? They overlaid and repaint the characters over it. Like, if you look at Little John in Robin Hood, he's basically Baloo from... From, uh, Jungle Book, only repainted. Oh, yeah. Same thing with, um... The Snake, who... The Snake is basically Ka from Jungle Book. So they... Well, it was, it was like a cost-saving feature at the time to save money on... So they'll take, like, old, like, pre-made animation and just paint the characters over them. So like the like I think they took some stuff from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So they intertwined just uh, you know to save costs on you know animation at that time. Because honestly back then you know at these films afterwards Disney wasn't doing good financially and that no. and of course that Walt was pretty much focusing on you know developing the theme park aspect like yeah, Disneyland, flooding his money into all that and flooding his money all that. So it's like the cut cost animation. It's like that's why what happened like in nineteen like the late eighties early nineties they started doing the whole animation revolution the renaissance the, the rent they called you know they called the animators world day and renaissance like Beauty Beast and Land. Because, you know, it's because, too, around that time was when Disneyland had that whole debacle with Disneyland Europe. Oh, yeah. Which they almost lost, and now it's Disneyland Paris. But before, it was called Euro Disneyland, before it became Disneyland Paris. So it's like, it's the same thing, because, you know, at that time, you know, Disney was run by Michael Eisner. So it's like, which he tried so much to, like, honestly. But, like, going back to that, yeah, like, Disney Plus is, for me right now, I've been just catch up on Darkwing Duck right now. But I've been noticing, like, in DuckTales, like, they're missing a few episodes from DuckTales. And a lot of episodes are, like, out of order. So hopefully they're oh, really? trying to fix that. Like, the X-Men anime series, I found out it's, like, it's actually out of order. So someone went online and did, like, a whole... Like, Wait, do they the have later... all the episodes? They have all the episodes, but they're out of order. Like, the later seasons are basically out of order. So, yeah, the stories would be all mixed up. So somebody went online and um, it's on a... I got the link to the site. And he actually put, like, the, the guide how to watch it. Same thing with the Clone Wars. Like if you watch the, the animation show on Clone Wars, I'm someone online and um took time and effort. I, no, I think the production team that did Clone Wars, they went online like the writers and stuff. Actually, um because at that time Clone Wars was shown on Cartoon Network. Yeah. At that time, like Star Wars stuff was shown on Cartoon Network, so because they had that deal with um, Cartoon Network at that time with um, Turner Entertainment, so um, a lot of stuff was shown out of order. So the writers and production staff decided, hey, you want this is the proper way to watch it. 
And they actually went out, I got to find it because it was on one website. They posted how to watch certain episodes plus the Clone Wars animated film as well. So that's the one show I want to get back to. The other show I want to get into too is Star Wars Rebels. That's another show I want to go into. And then they got one called um, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. It's another like animated, sh- animated show they made as well. So hmm. like I said, there's like a bunch of stuff on there. And like a bunch of all the Disney stuff like Goof Troop. Um, Recess, I want to get into there. Disney's done. This is a lot of stuff. I know we talked about Disney Plus in the last episode. Of course, we're talking about it again. But, I mean, it's in those stages right now where it's becoming part. Disney Plus is going to be part of, you know, about the streaming scene. Because, I mean, right now it's still, I still call it in its infant stage for right now. Because it's it doesn't have as much content as Netflix. It's a lot due to, like, licensing agreements and stuff. They got to wait for the licensing agreements to expire before, like, before they get those properties back. And plus they got a lot of the Fox um, family library. So they got to try to find a way to integrate those films as well. I know they integrated a few of the films like Home Alone and The Sandlot. 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, so they're integrating a lot of those films as well. Damn, I have to go through. I have to go through the movie. Though, so they got a lot of things. Like I said, um, the Jeff Goldman show is good as well. I do recommend you guys if you like documentary series. But they got a lot of the National Geographic series as well. So they got a lot of those shows on there as well um, to check out. And of course, they did a live-action remake of The Lady of the Tramp. That's another thing they ended up doing. Is, so I have not seen it. Um, I, I did know. see the... I still think those movies... I did see the live-action movie of The Lion King, which I did like for a fact. It did change like a, a few sequences, which I think was kind of cool. They actually made... Um, of course, they changed that one scene where... Um, where you know if you remember watching the animation animated version, well, kind of like for a fact they added the the scar sequence, they added scar song, in the live action remake, as opposed to it was the deleted scene in the animated film, mm-hmm. um the the be prepared so they had that song sequence, um they also um made Nala that they showed that she could fight as well, so that was kind of cool that her between her and the head hyena Shenzi was like the head hyena, she was like the head hyena so. That was kind of cool fight. And, um, of course, you remember that one scene where they had to distract the hyenas to do, like, the hula dance? So, and they started changing it up. And, I mean, having Seth Rogen and Billy Eigner as Timon Pumon was kind of hilarious as the voices. And it was cool dynamic. And it ended up, like, parodying Beauty and the Beast. So it was kind of funny as hell. But that film was not bad. I mean, the way they made they had, like, CGI the animals. But it was kind of, it was interesting. Like I said. I think I'm just going to boycott them all. I don't like I I don't know, I and it just doesn't like it looks cool, mm-hmm. it looks cool, but it's just it takes so and I I, I remember seeing a review on it because I still haven't seen it I, don't, I just don't really plan on it but I saw a review saying that like it kind of takes away a lot of the magic of of grabbing those characters because it does look really great as they catch the realistic real uh, view feel of, of animals yeah. but. It takes away the feel and the emotion of, and the, the how the how the characters were animated and how they're being like you mentioned the hula dance like, how do you and they just I think it was the just reviewer, stereotypes I think it was well, like, a, like the reviewer like he states that like, the the characters in the live action one make it look it's not live action it's CGI don't let's not let's not bullshit here mm-hmm. it's it's literally just a computer but those drawn ones like you it. You just see the you do more with animation, songs yeah. and they just look weird. They look emotionless. Like they just don't. 
they don't capture You don't have that, that expression. Like, they don't yeah, you don't see that. It's like, like it's, they're smiling or it's they're like you're playing with your stuffed animal. Like, it just, okay. it, it doesn't, like, you, you, the imagination is there and it looks beautiful, but that's about it. And, like, I, I don't, like, I've seen these movies and I, and I like to, I like to hold on. Like, yeah, kids, it's just that, like, say if you had kids, I would much rather show them the animated one than, and then let them, if, Obviously, you show them the other one if they want to look at the live action stuff. But I honestly would rather show them the Renaissance Disney movies. The ones that we grew up on. Yeah, because those those are so... They're fun. Like, and I'm not, like, a Disney file. Like, I don't I don't get so, like, nostalgically delusional like a lot of people do for Disney. I just... I'm just too pragmatic when it comes to that stuff. I get, I'm just not easily amused. No, and, like, that me, stuff like, to me isn't just, like... I don't know. It's like Disney running out of fucking ideas. Like... Lady and the Tramp should have been a cinematic release. It would have made a lot of money. I don't, I don't know why they just relegated to putting it on the platform to fill because they don't have the content. That's what I'm telling you. Like, they're they're playing the long game, which is fine. That's what they do. But like, why wouldn't they? They. I mean, why I'm just curious. Maybe I will check out Lady and Tramp just to see how they were able to. They did that with Dumble, didn't they? Didn't they release Dumble? That was Tim Burton. Yeah. Mm. I think that's. I think it's on Disney Plus as well. I'm not mistaken. So like. It, it, like even know. something like that got a release. The Jungle Book got a release, and then we John Favreau did like Jungle Book. We knew Lady in the Tramp, and it's, yeah, we, people like watching animals and talk. Like we've had plenty of movies like that. Mister Ed was a fucking talking horse, like, and that was in the what the sixties. So like, I funny thing was it's about, so weird. And the funny thing was that the the funny thing was like um, the actor who played who was you know interacting with the ho- uh, Wilbur who played Wilbur. As opposed to opposite, Mr. Ed was actually Alan Young, who will go on to become the voice of Scrooge McDuck for the old DuckTales series. The original DuckTales series on, you know, when it was on the Disney afternoon. I mean, I get your point. Like, yeah, it does, like, you know, when it comes to live action remakes, I mean, there's some films that will work with, such as, like, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, it kind of works well because it's like a musical. Or, like, Cinderella. But stuff like you said, like, The Lion King, you know. Like, Aren't they the almost comes, musicals? They're well, all, like, musical-based. Well, uh, well, no musicals, but like they have like song, song sequences, song scenes, yeah. song scenes. But yeah, so, I mean, yeah, when they're just say, "Oh, we're gonna do a Lion King remake," it was like a lot of people were, "Yeah, it was met with criticism." Like, how are you gonna make it? Same thing like with Aladdin. Like the, like Aladdin to me, like I have not seen the live action Aladdin. I can't I just really have no desire to see these. Like, I, 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 and yeah, this is not like a bashing time. But no, like, we're I not. Just, no. Like. What are, and say what you will, like I'm sure I'm, people enjoyed it, sure. But at the minute I saw it, they casted Will Smith as the genie, and I love Will Smith. Him, I love Will Smith because of Fresh Prince. Because I was a kid, I loved watching it. I still love watching it. But when they cast it, I was like, oh come on, like I'm good, like I'm good, like and just. To me, it's I just like, didn't how have any desire. How like, can you follow Robin Williams though? It's like you, you can't. You can't. No. And that's fine. Like he's not supposed to. Those are different. That was like his own interpretation of the genie. Right? Yeah. But then you got like, and then we're gonna see the Mulan movie come out. Um, Which I am kind of interested to see. Very how... soon, right? We'll see how that goes. Um, maybe I'll watch it. I just I don't know. I maybe I don't know if it's because I'm not a kid anymore, and I don't want to revisit these tales. I'm not saying you have to be a kid to enjoy movies. The funny thing is, like Frozen Two just came out last weekend. Yeah, like there's a second Frozen. And, and it not- looks like honestly, even though I'm not a, I seen the first Frozen film, guys. I'm sorry, my mom. I seen it too. 
I liked it. I mean, the animation sequence was good. I mean, the, the, the sequences. And I kind of like for a fact how they were able to, like, the people make Kingdom Hearts 3, like Square Enix, they were able to incorporate that scene, like, that sequence yeah into into the game and also have like um the char- the voice actors who portrayed the characters be in it in the video game yeah they had Kristen Bell oh, that's pretty cool I like MSL they had um they had them all there doing reprising their characters I mean the sequel looks good I mean the animation looks you know I think the way they're saying like a lot of people are saying it might be a trilogy or something it's like oh yeah because uh, to be honest, it's bankable, man it's, it's like they made so I don't know if I want to go see it right now but I'll probably wait till it goes on Disney Plus but, I mean, it's like franchise like that. That's why I like for the fact, focus on franchises, you know, they can, like, you know, it is marketable and it is profitable like that. Like, they still, they're still able to draw people into these theaters with properties like that. Like, you know, that's why I'm very surprised that they don't, Disney doesn't, they should just, obviously they have their hands in a lot, everything basically at this mm-hmm. point, but, like, why, are, are, are we ever going to see... 2D animation again? Are we always just going to do these 3D CGI? It's kind of hard nowadays. So it's, it's like, like I, honestly, the only I time I'm going to see, like, the only time you're ever going to see, like, 2D-esque animation probably will probably Fox. be... <laughs> no, 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 Cartoon Network as well. I mean, you got, like, shows like We Beer Bears. But we're TV only, right? But you're not going to see a lot of, like, a, like a, but a lot of stuff like that now. It's not on paper anymore. It's not, like, pen and paper. But it's more like... I see now a lot of animations now it's tablets. Like, with the technology that we have now... You can actually draw like with a pen on like, oh, no, the screen. Oh no, it's better. It I mean, better. it's better and it kind of helps you more. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of hard now. It's like I think was it Princess and the Frog? That was like the last like Disney film that was used with hand drawn animation. That was the last Disney film before they went to CG and before they went to digital animation. So it's like, I mean, back then you know that was great. Like those. Let's say when I watched Robin Hood, it's like that was old animation yeah they had to reuse some like you know sequences from from other films for certain scenes but, that's but that was still like the paint the, the detail and the movement of the characters seeing the pencil strokes of the characters and you know it was it great it feels more raw you know it like feels yeah like the people that took like, the time and effort to make the talent films. the talent they had like the talent i'm not bashing like curry awesome. animation today i mean curry animation is still good as well but it's like but nothing beats the traditional hand and pen and paper, pen and paper animation. But like the same thing with anime, like I'm noticing too a lot of anime now. It's a lot of like CGI sequences now. Mm-hmm. When it comes to certain anime, it's well like how certain... Metal Alchemist would do in the movies, how they would kind of combine them. Well, for well, Alchemist, the cartoon ones, the cartoon one, um, yeah, not so you could see the the watch, the clock, how it works in the inside. I've seen, seen yeah, it's just so CG then, or some like also see some opening sequences that were used like a CG. Even, does, even Death Note, right? Doesn't Death Note use a couple? Yeah, there's very few. There's very few sequences that will use a little bit of CGI, but not as you know as extreme. But it's like because they want to like you know, it's like they want to show you know. Because they're pretty much taking the work of a manga and pretty much you know they're adapting it, but. Like I said, it's yeah. CG is putting their works like you know. Think about Pixar was one of the breakthroughs. Yeah. When it came to CG, I mean, there were some early companies back in the day too doing CGI. Like that show Reboot was nah. the first ever CGI animation animated show. And of course, looking at that show now, I think you can catch on a Verve. But um, looking at that show, how that back then with CGI was like basically new to everybody. 
like watching it now, it's like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, oh man, was it dated? Yeah, it shows its age. It shows its age, and then also too, I started watching like the the old Power Rangers. The old one? No, the Japanese one, oh, the one where the, the current one took yeah, from, yeah. took the scenes from. They basically stole it and turned it to Save by the Bell. They took the fight scenes. As long as they took them towing, I kind of actually kind of like. I started watching the first few episodes of it. Um, it's actually really good. I mean, Rita, like, Rita Repulsa, it's like, it's not Rita Repulsa, she's like, um, she's a witch, but, I forgot her name, but, Some they show she, her more. She's like a, uh, she's like an evil genie, if you think about it, she was locked in the weird capsule thing. No, they, it, that's all there, what happens is, um, they, they go to, like, it, like, a lot of scenes, certain scenes are taken from it, but, of course, the only thing they added was, you know, they added the, they always filmed, like, the high school scenes. But like the Yellow Ranger was actually a dude. The yeah. fighting scenes, but here they had all they had to make that like the Pink Ranger was the only girl because it makes sense because of the skirt and everything. But yeah, the, the Yellow Ranger was an actual dude. But of course, in here they had to add like another girl just to balance it out. Did did they also did that though? Because Safe by the Bell and shows like that were big at that time. Of uh, uh, even Beverly Hills Nine Two and All was big. But I think like Saban Entertainment was yeah, like they were trying to. Stuff. Because I think Saban was trying to bring something like the the, the Z Rangers, like because it was a the Super Sentai series is basically it was like a long running. Live it's still show. going. It's still going. Because <laughs> it, it's both of them are still going. The show, both well, properties. Well, but, but like I said, the Power Rangers itself. This is what they call here in the US is Power Rangers, or the Super Sentai. But over there, it's starting like in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. So like I think the one and like I said, Verb has a bunch of the old ones. But Shout Factory got the rights to to subtitle like the the old like the Super Sentai shows. Like I said, and you get to see like the characters and stuff. And I kind of like kind of like the aspect of the the Pirates in there because it has the, the inspiration for the first seasons. And they have like the Pirates and Pirates Zio. So they got like the first three iterations of the Pirates at that time. But it kind of shows you how. It was like I think it was like Saban Entertainment's like like try market or try market like Japanese stuff into uh, into the U.S. It's like same thing when it comes to like dubbing anime. Back then it was horrible. Nowadays it's much better. Like Funimation, you know, not, Funimation wasn't like one of the first companies to do it. Um, they were one of the first companies because they're based out of Texas. Um, they're based out of Texas, and a lot of days like back then like those were. We're okay, but it's like they had to change a lot of things because, like, you know, American and Western audiences would not get to understand Japanese humor. But, like, for nowadays, now with the current dub, now they actually try to keep the jokes in a little bit. It's probably vice versa, to be honest. They try to keep the jokes in. But I prefer, like, when it comes to anime, I do like to watch it sub because then you understand the translation of the jokes and the meanings. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy some dubs. So it's like, I, I like both. Yeah, I gotta say, I like both. But, like, for certain shows, yeah, it kind of makes sense to hear more, like, in the original language. It's like for me with Neo Genesis Evangelion, and I was telling you about when we had breakfast that you know, if you're gonna watch, want to watch that series, I do recommend watching it sub because to me, I didn't, I did not enjoy the Netflix dub. I'm sorry, guys, I did not enjoy the dub because the only good dub was the original one back then. Well, you didn't say the show. What show was it? Neon Genesis Evangelion. Then because Netflix got the rights to it, I prefer you guys watch that like subtitled in original language. Just so you can get the right translation, but because they, like I said, I got upset when they announced that there was a different cast doing the voices, because they couldn't get the original cast. Yeah. To me, it was a phenomenal cast. Like Cowboy Bebop, that's another show I recommend. 
dub-wise, because they actually had a good voice cast for that one. And they actually kept all the jokes and everything in there. Trench to the T. Like, they didn't really have to do much when it comes to localization. Um, I mean, Steve Blumitz, um Spike was, was really good. And, of course, I can't wait for the live-action show once it goes back to production. Because if you guys um, follow that show, um, follow the production of it, John Cho actually got hurt during, like, the coordination. Because they were doing rehearsals for scenes, and he actually got hurt. I think he messed up his knee. But it shows how much of an actor will go to commitment-wise. Because when an actor gets hurt, it's like, it shows their commitment, but it's like they're trying. And we all, oh, how come he didn't get a stunt, though? But it's like, you get a stunt, though, it's like feeling that you can't do everything. I'm not discrediting stunt doubles at all. People that work in the stunt person industry are phenomenal. They have the strength and the patience to deal with certain scenes like that. And I know a lot of actors credit their stunt doubles for their work. But I know Dwayne Johnson, like, well, I forgot what film that he worked on. He, gave, he uses like, the same guy. He's just the one guy that's, like, his basically his best friend as a stunt double. And he gave him, like, a new truck or something. He bought him, like, a truck. Yeah, that's so crazy. Dwayne well, Johnson's a nice guy. Up. He's, like, a nice guy. Like, he helps people and stuff. And he also makes a shit ton of money, bro. But other than that, like, yeah, John Cho ended up getting hurt, and then, you know, that was cool, but he got a lot of, like, love and support from the fans and stuff, especially people are looking forward to the series, and it's kind of cool that the production team are like, you know what, we're going to stop production right now until he gets better, because it's showing that we can't do anything without him, and it's not bad, because then it gives him time to develop more, like, the ideas for episodes and stuff, because we don't know how long it's going to be, and I suppose, like, they're still having it now, because I know... Avatar The Last Airbender, they're developing a live action series on Netflix, and they, you know, the, the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender, they're the showrunners and executive producers of the live action show, and they did say they're gonna, uh, they Rare. promise that the cast is gonna be diverse. It's gonna be awful. It's not gonna be whitewashed. <laughs> but they're doing, awful. like, a lot of research. Because, like I said, it's like, when it comes to animation, tra- tra- like, translating animation to live action, it is kind of tricky when it comes to, like, certain aspects you know it's kind of hard when it comes to like taking anime or manga and translating to live action well because i, I mean don't, because honestly i think like i'm saying this because i've never seen that show i know it's very renowned and a lot of, it's got a humongous fan base i've never seen after the last airbender i just don't i just didn't so just like i've never i didn't read the harry potter books yada, yada, yada. so there was a lot of fandoms out there that are very passionate about it still and like you mentioned, a lot of these live actions don't really, what what it, it doesn't capture the same, because we're getting different people. And who knows if these directors or if people get brought on take the time to actually go to the source material. I know it's because they're they, you know they get under strict deadlines because they're getting shit ton of money back from investors and studios to produce these properties. And who knows if they even see these things? And I think that's what the disconnect gets created when it comes to uh, not only anime properties, but just, like I mentioned, the Disney shit. I think that's what it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, or like when I remember we watched Full Metal Alchemist when they put the live action, and I never seen either, so I, I went in blind, and I enjoyed it. Obviously, like, the only hardcore thing, fans would love it, like you've seen it. But the only thing yeah. I found but, wrong with it was for the fact they made Winry... I understand. They, I'm surprised they didn't have the voice, the actress like at least have her hair blonde, and they made her more like a almost like a damsel in distress because yeah. if you read, I read the manga and watched the anime. If you want, I do recommend Brotherhood. But by the way, because that's a more ad- adapted version of the manga, she's kind of like tomboyish almost aspect, but at the same time she can hold on her own, you know. 
I mean, she was never like a damsel distress, and here they made her too like afraid and I don't know, helpless, helpless basically. But like a typical character, she trope. doesn't pick on Al and doesn't pick on Al, um, Edward, and you know. But I I like the costumes. I like how Alphonse was portrayed. Like the, the armor, and everything looked badass, and everything, and the characters they interact like Lost and um, Envy and and um, Gluttony. Um, that was kind of cool. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I seen the Bleach live action film, and what was kind of cool is they actually did a. By we watched those with the subtitles, like the English, the original language, and they do have Bleach. I saw that as well. Of course, that was another one that I thought was alright for its own right, and I, of course they changed it up a little bit. You know, they, they kind of changed a lot of things about it, um, but that was enjoyable as well. It's I mean, there's properties like that. I mean, it'll be okay. For live action because of the technology that we have, you know, when it comes to visual effects. But it's like, I hear like most of those films don't get well received in Japan. It's well, it's just like it's like they, it's that because you got like the, the because if they don't realize in Japan, you know, of course, you know, anime, that's the home anime and manga. They're just like us when it comes to like when we watch the Marvel films. Like, oh, if the characters shown in a certain way. You got the purists out there that hey, this is not how this character is. You know, Crazy personality fan wise. Boys, man. So it's the same it's thing here dunk. when it comes to like the, the superhero films as well. It's the same thing when when they do a live action version of an of a manga over there in Japan. It's the same thing, yeah. which kind of shares like it kind of makes us a light. But it's like, um, so like I said, that's one thing I found wrong with that film. But I do the, overall the films were good. The live action films were good. Yeah, I wish the story was better, but the adaptation was a little bit better. But it was fine for what it was worth. It was kind of cool that Netflix got the rights to show here in the U.S. They were going to get the U.S. rights for it. Uh, the de- the American version of Death Note... Uh, it was awful. Yeah. I mean, it was I was... awful. They took the concept, they Americanized it, and... I just think Death Note is the one anime, really, that I, I liked. Because I'm not a big anime person, but... Um, I got introduced to it through uh, the... My cousin Mel in Mexico, she showed us the the animated movies they made of the live action movies. I heard those were really not good. the live action one. Oh yeah, I seen the live yeah, action. Yeah, they, they did a live action. Then she let me read the the, the her manga. copies of the of the manga when I was out there. So I I just became like, oh, this is fucking cool because the concept for me I love. So I think, like you said, whitewashed. I I think like to translate that property isn't difficult, but I think like. For them to... It just seemed like so hammy and so cheesy, dude. Like, it just felt so weird. Like, that's not... The underlying tone wasn't there. And, like, I love... I thought casting William Dafoe was awesome. But we never got to see his face. No, it's so stupid. And the whole point of it is he sees it. Like, if you read read the manga and the... And the and the if you read the manga, watch the anime. The, the Shimigami are like you can see their faces. They're yeah. revealing themselves right away. It's like like what the fuck? Like you're trying to create this whole this whole what emperor feel to them from the Star Wars. Like you don't see his face, and we all know it's Palpatine obviously because of the prequels. But in here, it's like no Ryu pops up pretty fast, and like that's the whole point is that he sees this this. Uh, this and character. He, and I like for a fact that they... Like what? Okay, they, I know they kept his love for apples, but he goes crazy over apples. Yeah, like, what the fuck? That's like his favorite human food. Yeah. That's, like, that's his thing he enjoys, but it's like, yeah. I mean, that... that I mean, uh, I, I appreciate the effort, but it was just... Mm. I couldn't... I watched it only once, that was it. And, uh, it was just, like I said, just, maybe just people who didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Like, just... 
I just that's how I imagine people do it on the set. Like I, I, I got a chance to ex- do work on an art installation um, over these last couple months, and honestly, like working with a lot of production teams, and it's it's a project that requires a lot of people who are dedicated and and who are willing to put the effort in. Like I, it was great working with a lot of talented people, but then you see these corporates who try to come in and be creative and try to set uh, goals and direction. And honestly, it was just a lot of disconnect being dealing with these people, with these media companies in particular, um, which I can't really state uh, at the moment because I signed an NDA. But it's very, very, like, you. I, I sensed it right away. And it was my, it was honestly one of my first forays into working um, in this type of uh, art production. Um, I've worked in different ones, but this is the first time that, like, I got an upfront chance to really deal with this shit. And it was just like, what are you guys... And mind you, coming into the Chicago market and the company being based in LA, it, I, it was like the perfect like traditional experience of dealing with people who just didn't, didn't understand the community they're coming into and selling to. And really backing an artist who is very talented and from the city and it just didn't I didn't see it like I'm just like I don't like a lot of these people just don't really get it and they've been rep- and I just and when it comes to anime and stuff or just animation being brought onto the big screen or book adaptations we see that a lot like these these people get brought in and we and we all want to see it done in a, in a proper way that shows homage to the original source material, the original creation. But I think what the bad part of it from these fandoms that get created from these properties is that they don't come to see these things with an objective view. Mm-hmm. They want it to be exactly how it is, and that's not... It, it just can't be like that all the time because then we'll just be getting the same shit over and over again. It's like we're going to continuously see characters like Batman being done. Um, we're seeing Mar- Marvel take doing a very good job with um, Disney, at least doing a, Disney's Marvel doing a really good job with the Spider-Man um, universe right now. But like, those are just anomalies compared yeah. to other companies, which I'll gladly mention, DC, uh, which I'm not a fan of, but they are just doing a terrible job. Film-wise, not bad. Film-wise, film-wise, not like... Television's not, they're doing yeah, right. Yeah, they're, they're, they rule when it comes to television when it, for comic book properties, but... Film-wise, they just are not getting it, and they're just going to continue to bleed money because I mean, they just don't want to... Wonder Woman 1984... They want to do a job. We'll see job. how that goes. I mean, Wonder Woman was fun. I enjoyed that film. Like, the, the, the Wonder Woman was, you know, was a long time coming, you know? Which it, is awesome. I which think is awesome. I, yeah, it's kind of cool. So we'll that. see how 1984 is going to be. That's a sequel to Wonder Woman, and we'll see how that is. Um, I mean... It's like stuff like that. It's like, like I said, it comes with like translating like, you know, written works into live action. I mean, look at Lord of the Rings. Like they haven't even released a first season yet, but they already got renewed for a season two. I guess yeah. it's based on, you know, focus groups, focus groups and pie, you know, what the execs at Amazon saw and like the way the content's being portrayed. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Like, you know, there's some shows too, like anime, like anime shows, like, I mean, DuckTales kind of has that, you know, the 2D animation feeling. And, like, the reboot is actually really good. I do enjoy it right now because it kind of pays tribute to the old series. But at the same time, it kind of pays tribute to the comics as well. 
Because people don't realize, like, DuckTales was based off the Carl Banks, you know, Uncle Scrooge comic book series. Because that time, Disney had a lot of comic books. They had, like, their own comic book division where they published, you know, yeah, Mickey Mouse had his own Duck comic books. But Carl like, Banks... Trans. He would always go through each... He was in the universe, and he was coming on different properties in there, too. Yeah, like Donald Duck, you know, because... He's Donald, like Stan Lee when he comes on all the episodes. Yeah, but, like, movies. Uncle Scrooge, you know, people don't realize he came from, you know, from the comics. Um, because it was Carl Banks who wrote the comics for Uncle Scrooge. And because, you know, Donald, you know, has a big family. It was, like, because he was Donald's uncle. And then people didn't realize, oh, Donald had a twin sister named Della. So it's like, that's why, you know, he would do Louis are his nephews. Um, and it's kind of cool because there's one shot from a comic book that, um, I think Mike Matei, if you, from Cinemassacre, he's a big um, Carl Banks fan. So he got a lot of the Uncle Scrooge comics. And I think he did like an episode where he talks about the series itself in general. And, you know, he enjoys that a lot. He enjoys the DuckTales cartoon. And like I said, the reboot is like really good. I mean, they got really good voice cast. For the reboot, I mean, you got David Tennant, who's like from Doctor Who. If you remember Doctor Who, he played the, he played um, Kilgrave and Jessica Jones. Um, he's also in Broadchurch is one of the shows he was on, yeah. and um, you got him as Uncle Scrooge. You got Catherine Tate, who remember she was his companion, Donna Noble in Doctor Who series. She was in The Office. She was in the show The Office as well, and she's portraying Magic of the Spell, who in the original DuckTales cartoon was portrayed by the late, lovely actress June Foray. If you remember, she done a lot of voice work. She was one of the great voice actresses for Waterverse at that time. She did Granny. She did a lot of the female voices for the characters. She was also, um, I believe she was from Rocky from Bullwinkle, Rocky from Bullwinkle, yeah. Natasha from, you know... Boris and Natasha as well, um, and you know, hey, seeing her and David Tennant tonight, that's kind of cool. And they have you know, a lot of great vocal cast for Webby and you know the nephews, and it's a great voice cast. And that's kind of cool how they added like Darkwing Duck into the universe. They're gonna like announce for the next season. They're gonna add like Chip and Dale, Goofy from Goof Troop, like um, Kit and Molly from Tailspin. So it all takes place like in the same universe. I mean, they added Don Carnage in DuckTales reboot and it's like the same they're all in the same universe but it's like the current times because you got Don Carnage who's you know he was voiced by Jim Cummings and right. in the original Tailspin but here he's he's voiced by an actual Mexican actor um guys oh Jamie Camille Jaime Camille so does his voice so it's kind of cool like they give like a diverse cast to these characters like um Quentin Crackshell if you remember him he comes Griswold Duck and here he's Quentin Crackshell um Quentin Crackshaw Cabrera, so they actually made him Puerto Rican, so it's kind of cool. And they got Lin Manuel Miranda is the voice of Gizmo Doug. So when he was in Comic Con, the most the panels, Puerto Rican next to uh, freaking Rosie Perez. And uh, it's funny because it, when they, he was at Comic Con, they asked like when he got because he watched the original Ducktales cartoon growing up. He was a big fan of the Disney um, Saturday morning uh, Disney afternoon block, and he's like when they have approached him like, hey, we want you to play a hero. And he's like, oh, I get to play the first Latin American hero. So it's like, Gizmo Duck's Latin American. So he's like, I get to play, you know, Latin American hero. So it was kind of a Puerto Rican hero. So it was kind of cool seeing that. And like I said, they used to get a lot of, like, actors that were acting on other shows to do voice work. So definitely, guys, check that out. I believe it's on Disney XD. And I think they got the first season of DuckTales reboot on Disney Plus as well. I think they just added the second season as well. I believe, yeah, they did add the second season of uh, 
DuckTales as well, so I get the perfect two seasons. There's a guy, um, because it's season two, they introduce uh, Della Duck in there. She comes out later on, which just shows what happened to her. Because like, what happened with Cole with DuckTales, well, the whole person group is like, Donald Duck was an adventurer. Like him, his sister, and Scrooge McDuck were all adventurers. But after a certain incident happened, they had a falling out. So, you know, Donald's on his own, raising the nephews and stuff. And of course, they end up, he ends up dropping his nephews off at Uncle Scrooge. And they go on adventures, but it's like, and you got Patrick Brewster as the voice of Della Duck, so having her on board as well, and with the interacting with, like, she has to have to be a mom again, so it's like, it's, it, like I said, it's a really interesting show, and I like the fact that nephews all have different personalities. Which is kind of cool, because if you watch their old DuckTales, they all had the same voice, so it's kind of hard. Yeah. Because they almost share the same personality. But here, it's like, they're all their unique personality, which I do like, and it's funny because you got Danny Cree from, from, um, from community, from community doing um, Huey, and then you got Ben Schwartz, who's going to be the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the Sonic the Hedgehog film, which to me looks good. Like the new trailer and the Huey design is fantastic. Um, he's doing the voice of Dewey, who's more like, like the showstopper, like like a like Huey, like you know, Danny Cree portraying Huey. Huey's like by the books, Junior Woodchuck and all that stuff. He's always by the book kind of guy. Always has a plan, and you got Dewey like. Who's our Ben Schwartz, who's more like the showstopper to go get her and all that stuff. And they got um, Bobby Moynihan, if he, he plays Pan on Wee Bear Bears. He's, he was on Saturday Night Live as well. He's portraying Dewey, um, Louie, who's more like, kind of like the greediness. Like, he wants to get rich, but wants to be lazy about it. <laughs> Sounds like Alvin and Chipmunks. So it's kind of like Alvin and, and Chipmunks a little bit, but at least... Like Eddie and Eddie. And kind of like Eddie and Eddie almost, but at least they have, you know, different personalities, which is kind of cool, but... Or something like that. Like, I enjoy that because it's like watching old school Disney animation kind of. And then, um, I mean, Disney Plus also has, like, Big Hero 6 as well. So, they got the series on there as well on Disney Plus as well. If you, they got the movie as well, which I do like, Big Hero 6. That was really good. Yeah. That's Disney taking a Marvel property and making, like, their own. That was a fun movie. And they got the series as well. They got the cartoon series as well, which is, like, a follow-up to the film. Because I think they also have a manga as well, too. Mm. So... You have to check it out. Um, like I said, uh, I'm trying to think what else we can talk about. <laughs> it was like mostly we were talking about productions today. It was like a like today's episode was mostly about productions and all that stuff. Um, I mean, I just want to see Hollywood get their head out of their asses when it comes <laughs> to giving some chances to people. Like, I, I just, it's and uh, I was talking to my friend Ivan about this. Like, we were in, we were in a we had the golden age of television and Hollywood kind of regressed. It's just become, like, obviously there's more movies coming out. I just, I saw a, a, a trailer, being on this YouTube rabbit hole, I saw a trailer for Parasite, which I'm fucking excited to see. Mm. Um, it's directed by, um, oh, what's the guy's name? It, it, it looks cool. I want to see Parasite, and then I saw, um, I saw a trailer last night for, uh, a movie called Antebellum, which is from the producers of Get Out and um, Us. It fucking looks crazy. Um, and that's going to be coming out. Uh, the, the, the only time I get trailers is through fucking ads that come up on YouTube. <laughs> I, I never go searching for them, and that's what happens. Um, I, they, I think they released the final trailer of Irishman, which I'm not going to watch the trailer for that because I want to see it when it comes out. Um, but, like, as far as... I'm just always find myself more excited for movies that are going on to streaming 
than I am for theater movies because I just yeah. don't, I don't catch myself in a loop. And then when it does come in the theater, by the time I ever come around to watching it, it it's either already streaming or it's being put on DVD. And at that point, when I see it in its physical form, I'm already going to assume that it's going to be putting on to streaming relatively quickly. I mean, yeah. these, these studios are able to distribute DVDs rather quickly. Like, it used to be like six months and now it's like maybe two, like two or three months yeah so. like i see no, it was like, like two months and then like the, the physical is like three i remember uh seeing bohemian rhapsody come out like november and then it by the time it was like uh i think february it was already fucking out on dvd and i still haven't seen it and i love queen and i still haven't seen it and it's just because movies i have to fucking really pay attention but it's been a while since I went to a theater. Yeah. I mean, I for Star Wars, I definitely want to go see the theater. It's a film like that. Yeah, I mean, we saw the last like of the new trilogy. We saw the first two in theaters. It's like we saw you know our friend Amando because he's a big he's our roommate, but he's also a big Star Wars fan. So it's like seeing that. It's like that. Well, like if you go with a big group, it kind of like gives you the motivation. To go to the theater and see it, as opposed to it's that's just, the only way. I that's the only way. It's like if you go with your friends, like you go to go friends. to the theater. Yeah, because I can't go anywhere else, and I can actually focus. Like the last one I seen, what was it? Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. That's like probably my. It's been on my. Oh no, Joker was the last one I seen. But like, I just I hope Hollywood does a better job and really giving a chance to a lot of different um, people instead of just. Going to what makes movies, and I know it's because movie, making movies is just a bad investment nowadays. But I just hope things change. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, we'll see how it goes. I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like I said, the production started already. I mean, like there were like pictures posted on Twitter and stuff, like photos from the set. So and then of course I think Marvel, like Disney and Marvel had like a reveal, of pretty much you know. Of you know they show what the co- the concepts of the costumes that the characters will be wearing for the future projects as well. I, um, I think one thing I do recommend do if on Disney Plus so you gotta see it. Um, I don't know if the name Alex Hirsch make, makes any reference to. You. He went to the same school as um, Justin Roiland and uh, Pendleton Ward. They all went to the the same school, uh, Cal Arts. Um, the show oh. called Gravity Falls. I don't know if you hear that a lot. They had a really big fan base as well, and I actually watched. Actually, well, I didn't see it when it was live. That was Disney too, right? That was a Disney. That was a Disney, and pretty much it's, it was really good. I mean, it's on. I believe it is on Disney Plus. That's how I watched it. Was, it was streaming on Hulu, and it, it was really good because like it follows these like fraternal twins. Um, the fraternal twins Dipper and oh, I forgot her name, but the actors are really cool. Um, because it's um, shit, what's his name? It was Josh Ritter and um, Wendy Sh- uh, uh, Kristen Shaw. Oh, Mabel. Dipper and Mabel. Uh, they're pretty much, you know, they're fraternal twins, and they get, during the summer, they end up going to their uncle stands. Like, he owns, like, this shack. It was one of those, like, almost like a touristy track type of shack. So what happens is Dipper runs across his journal, and pretty much it's about, like, the urban legends around the community of Gravity Falls. Like, all these urban legends, and makes, he makes, like, his mission to investigate all these urban legends. For an animation show at that time, it's it's really good. And like I said, Alice Hirsch went to the same school as like Justin Roiland, so they actually work on each other's shows. They either have voice work, the same event, penalty work, they only do like voiceover work, or they contribute to the animation. Because that's what friends do. They help each other. Uh, yeah, so 
That's one show I do recommend for you. Oh, like, if hit. you want to get into like old school and like like that 2D animation, I do recommend Gravity Falls. But they do get some good voiceover work, like voice actors to help like guess guest spots and everything. My favorite character in the show is Zeus. He's freaking hilarious as hell. <laughs> so, but like Alistair's just the voice of Grunkle Stan. <laughs> like he, he he contributes to his, uh, to his work as well. Um, that's another show. So they try to have some of the current um, Disney animation shows they had at that time when Disney decided, oh, let's open the block like a forum for all these Disney animations. But I think Kulu has a lot of the Disney animation shows. So I think they got Star versus the Forces of Evil. Remember, Phineas and Ferb was done by um, guys who worked on uh, Rocko's Modern Life. And he also worked on... Because that was another popular Disney property, like Phineas and Ferb was another one too. And those guys, like... The creators of that show, they worked on uh, Rockers My Life. They also contribute to like SpongeBob. They also contribute to Family Guy. Oh. They contribute to a lot of like these All shows. All the worst shows. Well, except for Rocco, but yeah, but, but they they created like Phineas and Ferbers, and I think that's also on Disney Plus as well. Um, I'm familiar with them, but I never, never watched the whole show. But that, there was a big fan base around them as well. That was way. That was way after. But Kim Possible's on there. But Kim Possible's on there. Kim Possible's on uh, Disney Plus, and even got the TV movie for it as well. That's another show I like because that was was a good voice cast. Because you had Chrissy Carlson Romano's Kim Possible. You had Ray. um, You had uh, Will Ferrell as Ron Stoppable. You had um, what's his name? The guy uh, Taj Maury playing, you know, Wade. Um, You had John DiMaggio playing the voice of Doctor Draken, and Nicole Sullivan playing Shigo. You got, um, what's his name? The guy who played uh, Lundberg in Office Space playing Kim's dad. And you had Gene Smart playing Kim's mom. I mean, you had, like, a, a Nancy Cartwright doing the vocals for the Naked Mole Rat, Rufus. And it's like you had, like, and you had Pat Oswalt on that show. They had, like, a lot of great voice actors for that show at that time. And Kim Bosses has a great fan base, you know, years later. And it's kind of cool because I think Chrissy Costa like, a. I think she does like a thing on YouTube, like a cooking show on YouTube, and she'll bring like people that she used to work with in the industry to you know, the guest star and stuff on her cooking show. So it's kind of cool. Um, and like I said, they got a lot of the Disney original movies on there as well. I mean, but going back to like, yeah, like if you're a fan of like animation like that, they got Recess movies on there. And there's like show like that. The Saturday morning stuff, right? The Saturday morning cartoon ones, yeah. I know they're adding like the weekenders and all that stuff, but that time it's like that time was still like hand drawn animation still. It's like, yeah, it could, it was early two thousands. Mm-hmm. It was just different time, and like that at that point, I was like that was that last little boost of animation. Um, I was already getting, I think, aged out, my like mentally in there. I just didn't, I very much just stopped watching stuff like that. Um, and just started diving into other things, but um, yeah, I think same thing for me as well. I got more into anime than I would like traditional animation, but so, I think what got me back into like I think the thing that got me back into regular animation again was a regular show and Adventure Time was the only thing that got me into the hook again. Because I mean, those those two were shows that you thought, oh, they're just for kids, but they had like a lot of doll humor. In them. Oh, they're definitely not for kids. No, they're not. They're it was it's more just for like a whole. It was like yeah. for a whole audience. I think I think it's because animation, depending on what the what. Because these focus groups really help with their researchers, and they obviously they tell these animators and they the way they try to present and edit the shows. But like, 
those have I, I honestly don't think they're they're dull. It's just animation. I get think it's put into the stigma that it's all oh, it's just for kids, and it's not necessarily the the, the case. No, it's just, that's case in point. There's like people that My Little Pony. It's not the, implied. The, but like remember it's the definitely the current. Remember when they brought back My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and people thought all oh, the you know, girls would like this? But they ended up developing a the male dudes. fan base who became so known weird. as the Bronies, which apparently there's a documentary about them. Yeah, so they're so weird. Fuck that. That, that show like was intended for young girls. It was more. So it got more of a male fan base. So weird. It, yeah, it's like... I mean, that too. And then, of course, back then, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, when they had shows like Young Justice and stuff, and they ended up canceling those shows... Because they were trying to market off the toys when they got pissed off that, you know, well, at that time, that, that Young Justice, like, they, they they were going for that young male demographic, but they had a lot of female viewers, but they felt, you know, at that time, they just wanted to make money so off of merchandise. Stupid. Merchandise, was, to me, was stupid. But and, of course, they're, I'm glad they brought it back on the, Disney, on the DC Universe um, streaming service. Because things can't be, things can't be just made for the pure soul. No, days now, it's like, you can't make the camp pretty much now if you're gonna make like a, a work or like a production it's gotta appeal to all audiences not just a certain demographic because i mean when i was pretty much last night like the last two nights you know watching the two wrestling events last night and the night before i mean yeah they're trying to appeal at that time they're really still trying to appeal more of the kid demographic because when they went like pg and still the pg era they call it when they drove away from the ad era I'm seeing more and more of... I saw less and less kids now than it was a few years back. I'm seeing more like young adults and, of course, the older generation that watched the ad who grew up on the attitude era. But I'm seeing a lot of a lot of women as well, like a young, young women as well attending these wrestling events. It's like, it's like the demographic is slowly changing. Like professional wrestling is not just for like the male demographic. It appeals to everybody, young and old. And it's like... I mean, yeah, I saw a few kids at events, but at the same time, it's like... It's strange. It changes. Like, you know, it's like the viewership changes. That's like a lot of these productions have to realize. It's not just, you know, the dumb market you're trying to appeal to. It's it also appeal to the young market, you know, the young kid market as well. Get that generational, the generational market. So like when you get them young, you'll, you'll always feel nostalgia for it. This is why, this is why Disney is successful. Um, this is why certain properties end up sticking out their long haul and get various seasons produced, and you see a lot of shows get into the wayside of things. Um, and I think there's only a lot of studios who do it best, as we can see, it's, that are successful, and some things that are created and they get tossed out, like it's a regular CBS sitcom. Mm-hmm. Like, those things, nobody watches sitcoms anymore, nobody watches stuff like, like it's not, like, viewership is always down these days, like... It's just the every with the digital age as it goes and as it's becoming evolutionary, a lot of things are becoming saturated, and I think the the people with the the most corporational funding in the back of it are able to stick it out hard because they have that liquid cash. But as far as other things, that's that also I think is a bad for the industry because then we're getting a lot of. We're not getting a lot of new ideas. We're not getting a lot of things that could be substantial. I mean, you don't know what sticks until you put it out, right? Yeah. But if 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 Hollywood, because I think that's very much part of Hollywood, if they don't give a chance to things, 
things are becoming stagnant, and then that, it's not good. Like it's gonna, it could be very similar to the video game crash of the eighties, you know. So like, it's not, it's not. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see that happen with Marvel. I don't want to see that happen with Star Wars. I don't want to see that happen with other things, like with other fantasy properties or sport. Like we, we see this all the time. Um, mm-hmm. On different facets of entertainment, but when it comes to this, it being such a big money maker, and right now it's still very much early because it's pioneering. I think we're gonna definitely hit a point where I think people are gonna get sick of superheroes movies being blockbusters only, and we're not getting and other blockbusters getting released, and it's okay, but substance-wise, it's just mediocre. I th- yeah, I think it... Okay, I, I guess your point that it's yeah. going to be, like, the norm, basically. It's, yeah, if it's I not mean, already, it's, like... I, don't, I just don't want to see it fall flat, because, mm-hmm. like... And I think what sucks is that Netflix kind of contributed to that. Um, for, for example, with the Marvel properties shows on there, which were pretty decent. Yeah, they were but, decent like, for the budget that they had. We get it cut without anything, and it's just like, all right, maybe it'll get put on Disney Plus, but nonetheless, it's just like, then why did we, it, it's it's just like, why was this made? It's just like money down the drain, and obviously we don't have any access to those decisions because we don't run these crazy big companies. So, no, we don't. as we hit the new decade, who's who's to say what's gonna really stick it out these days? Um, I think certain genres of, of entertainment are definitely getting a boost when it comes to the creativity and the originality of things getting created um, but I just don't I don't find, I don't see it in Hollywood anymore that's what I'm seeing now too it's like um, I think that right now people are also like like game production wise it's like now that's why talking about production in Hollywood like to me it's also too like production video game now it's been changing like the landscape has been changed because we had Hideo Kojima who has a long resume of his work in, you know with Konami and the Metal Gear series and other works as well him coming up with Death Stranding which was you know him with his his own studio um, and bringing actors like bringing actors like uh, such as Norman Reedus Matt Mikkelsen and all these other actors you know, portray these characters in the video game. It's like now video games are being treated as more of a Hollywood-esque production when it comes to development, writing, storyboards, and getting created like CG creators using actors to mocap these characters. Because even though it's like games like God of War or Last of Us and Uncharted, they're using a lot of like actors are using actors for motion capture work now just to just like reference points. It's like video games are being more treated like video like. Hollywood productions mm-hmm. as well because they get a budget as well and it's like these it's the same thing these games have to you know produce sales we produce sales like, and, st- and and I mean Death Stranding I know it's on PS4 it's gonna come on PC yeah, and that's a game that I'm problems. probably gonna wait to get because you know I'm familiar with Kojima in his Metal Solid series and the Silent Hill series as well because he contributed to Silent Hill as well but it's like I'm Though I'm probably gonna wait till that game goes out in price so that I can get it away for a sale, because for me it's like I like to play a game like I played the Uncharted series and I played The Last of Us and it's like games that it's like playing a movie but it's like it shows the effort that these creators you know made into the video game to get these fans to enjoy. 
it's like to me it's the same thing they have to appeal to a gaming audience so like i said games are like nowadays are more like the kind of like almost like the hollywood that's what's kind of cool you get a lot of these indie game developers as well so they get to showcase their creativity yeah and of course there's probably some independent filmmakers out there who try to get stuff like into sundance and all that oh stuff. yeah it's still going strong but it's like i mean i well, I'm trying to find the right words, but like I said, like game development as well is also almost like a Hollywood production. So it's like time and effort. I mean, there has been some hit and misses there. Like Sonic 06 was a big miss because it was a rush <laughs> no thing. Thanks, it was it was rushed. It was like I read a lot of stories about it. It was a rush to get it out to the 360 and stuff. It was a rush. It was a game that was fault. It was pretty much buggy as hell. Uh, to me, it was an unplayable mess. I think there's a project right now, like a fan-based project of remaking that game. Huh. But remaking it to fix it, pretty much to fix all the, I, the glitches I, but in the why? Box. It's already got a bad rep. I don't. People are not going to want to buy it. Like, unless you're that hardcore into Sonic, I don't think people are going to want to play it's it. It's like with me with the Sonic. It's like going back to, like, you know, video game films like we did, like, a, 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 a week ago. When we discussed that. Like, seeing the, the new trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, after... What I like about this production was they put the first trailer out and fans totally right away bashed it because that kind of like told the studio, you know what? Facing all that negative feedback gave the studio the idea to wake up and say, hey, we got to think about who are we trying to appeal to. That's why they look back on films like Detective Pikachu and they went back to the drawing board. And that's why they ended up recruiting Tyson Hess who did the animation work for the animated sequences in Sonic Mania and for the Sonic Mania Adventures for on YouTube for Sega, they brought him along to help re-render Sonic. And, of course, with the new trailer just released a few weeks back, it looks better. Mm. It's just a trailer. Now we just got to see how the rest of the, the film is going to be. I mean, it's nice. Won't... It's it, like, it'd be... Obviously, since they made the changes, like I guess the least they can do is people can go and consume the, the content. But I just... And you're a big Sonic fan because you're biased, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm being objective here, and it's gonna be a bad movie. I I like it's it's I love Jim Carrey. I'm I'm glad that he's still getting film work, and like he's a great person and overall. And but I just I don't. It's I think it's just gonna fall back into what we're talking about that video game movie list of 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 ratings that just don't even go above fifty. Like I don't. If it gets a fifty, I think. I think then it becomes passable. Or 50 and above it becomes passable because at least they did... I do like how he looks this time around. Don't get me wrong, I do. But I still do not have high hopes for the movie. It is what it is. But if it gets over 50, I'm going to give it a pass. It'll be alright. It'll, it'll be passable at least. I, I'll watch it like when it comes on to like streaming services. Or like, I'll I actually want to go see that. Like, definitely want to go see it, but not with like I can't. I don't think I can watch that movie with a sober state of mind because I don't. I just don't think. It, but it's just. It is what it is. It's just. It's cool out there. At least making it sure. And yeah, I mean, it's a long time and coming. They have some recognizable, recognizable actors because that's how you saw Hollywood movies. But maybe it'll be good. Who knows? Um, but at least we see that power of the people does work when it's effective I just hope that I, I only hope that people actually will revolt for things that are a little more important on the list of change but I think it's cool that they at least 
took an account that like oh man we're not gonna make any money from this film because we just alienated a whole community of people who actually really love the character and played the games and really really relate to the character and they just love it and we make this crazy weird looking freaking blue thing that just it just I, I understand they try to go for more of the realistic it just aspect was so stupid. it was so weird yeah it was just so stupid the cool using gangster's paradise being super uh trying to capture that 90s feel right now that people are in love with and i just like oh come on but it is, what, it is and then with the new trigger kind of liked it more because it kind of shows sonic's personality that you know yeah, he's curious about the new world that he stumbled upon, but at the same time, he wants to help people. It's like, and it was interesting. And it kind of gives him a personality because that's what he was. Like his, um, I mean, if he, like taking talking about Sonic, you're going back to what Sega. Because remember, Sonic had two. Um, basically, he had like two parents. One on the Japanese side, one on the American side, because in Sonic's origin, Japan. Was he was a member of a rock band. He had a... Like a human girlfriend named Madonna. He had fangs. And of course when he got brought over to the US... Yeah, I don't want to like middle cooler. And then... Uh, and when they brought over him to the US... You know, Sega America redesigned him. They had to make him a little chubbier. Make yeah, him to make quirky, him less scary. And less scary, a little chubbier. Um, and they changed the premise that, you know, Eggman, you know, turned... And that he ate chili dogs and he had an attitude. Because it was the nineties. It was the nineties. Yeah. yeah, he was. It was the nineties attitude. Nineties you can get punk rock type of character, yeah. and you know, I mean, so it's like almost like a combination of the both. And oh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm looking forward to that production as well. I mean, then we got delayed until like next year, so we'll have to wait to see that. But. Overall, hopefully, like, um, like you said, hopefully Hollywood, production-wise, you know. Like, can all learn a lesson from this, you know, that, like, this is what's going to happen. If you, if you put out stuff that's not received very well and you don't even can bother to consider the change, that's why it's, like, I, I give props to the studio, even though I know it's, like, yeah. Like cap- Sony and Capitalize yeah, they yeah. knew, because obviously Sony doesn't have the best record Sony when it comes to these things, yeah. but, like, at the end of the day, it was cool to see that they did make, they did an act change, you know, but at the end of the day, I don't, unless Hollywood changes that and, and do, do feel to listen to more of Recep- like, like receptions on trailers or it's like that then it's like I mean nowadays now with content. the internet and stuff it's like yeah you see, you read a lot of stuff when it comes to production wise yeah. like this happens because it wasn't like that back in the day like to hear anything back in the day it's like you gotta read the trades basically they call it the trades like the Hollywood Reporter and stuff find out what's going on and you, not, then you don't even know who's reporting it you have no idea yeah. if like, they have any if they're a credible source and like unless you're an insider and now that we we have people who quote unquote leak stuff, which is not true. It's just people. They, you, it's another version of marketing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm not going to generalize everything when it comes to leaks, but ten halfway, you know, we we see this a lot, uh, and people our access to information at at a given at a given time. I really like that this voice was heard. Um. And I hope it's not just it's not just streamlined for a Sony studio, but even bigger bigger houses like like Disney and, and um, uh, 
even properties within DC. Just like different different houses of animation or different people who are making movies. I just, in general, it's like it's like reading that Yelp review from a restaurant and they suffer badly and they don't mm-hmm. make changes to do that. Or it's like watching an episode of Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> like shit. Like you know, if you don't yeah. listen to somebody who's as making things work. Or you're not listening to your to your fans, your customers, mm-hmm. technically. Yeah. Consumers is a special special word for customer. It was, it was cool. weird too because when I went to NXT Takeover, like seeing about getting feedback and stuff, like when I went to NXT Takeover this past Saturday, what they did, they gave us these bracelets, and it was kind of cool because then they, it was like a number, it was like a code, and yeah, it takes you to this number, and what happens was they made it into like almost like an interactive experience where it would light up when the wrestlers came out. That's cool. But at the same time, they asked for feedback, like what you think of this match. Um, how did you find out about the show? It was like a survey. You took this survey and pretty much it was telling you, like, ask questions, you know. What did you think of this match? What did you think of that? So it was like taking, it was almost like taking feedback into consideration. Which is important. You always gotta, you always gotta see how your product sticks. Feedback is very important for everything. Oh yeah. Because without feedback, it's like we never get, you know, anywhere without feedback. feedback Constructive. uh, Constructive. So it's like, can I walk away from that? Um... I mean, I think that should we should wrap things up. You know, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, how with the holidays coming up, guys? Um, oh yeah, Pat, like Thanksgiving coming up right now this week and Black Friday. If you're a big shopper, yeah. check out those sales. But yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, please show some gratitude um, to the people in your life that you love um, and who are very who you consider special. Um, and just. Just try to be grateful for hopefully any situation you're in. Be grateful for what you have. Um, and just be grateful for getting a chance to do it again. And for those who aren't able to enjoy themselves or aren't able to have access to the same type of Thanksgiving experiences, uh, just try to do good and just try to be appreciative of what you have and be thankful for the people around you. That's That's what I like to think of Thanksgiving as opposed to, like, for the Native Americans and how they celebrated themselves and the concept of, I of mean, family gathering. To me, it's just like a family gathering. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't even... I, I Yeah, it was... Bring it out something bad, but the the merit of it all was there. Um, but, yeah, just please enjoy the holiday. Uh, if you're into crazy shopping time, you know, I don't understand why people still do that. You can just order online. Sales are going on now. I, I think... But I digress. It all depends on what you do. It's your experience. All right, guys. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Eat lots of turkey. Um, as always, I'm the franchise. Geek on and take care.